Hello, everyone. Thank you for tuning in and welcome to Grow with Rosie, the podcast that discusses personal development topics that could help improve your quality of life. How important is it for you to improve your quality of life? What you can expect each week is personal development topics with special guests who are life coaches from various niches, authors, and many more. Stay tuned for all the great details. Now, here's your host, Rosie. Hello, friends. Welcome to Grow With Rosie, the podcast that discusses personal development topics that could help improve your quality of life. I hope you are all doing great. I know I am, especially being on here today. Now, today's topic is self-love. If anyone is unsure about what self-love is, I would say self-love means valuing and accepting yourself unconditionally, which involves treating yourself with kindness and respect, and also taking care of your growth and well-being. I am delighted to have Leslie Davis, who is the author of the book, You Can't Eat Love, to tell us more about the book and share her journey to self-love and healthy eating. Now, without further ado, I would like to welcome Leslie Davis. Welcome, Leslie. How are you today? I am great. How are you doing, Rosie? I am fantastic. It's an honor to have you on Grow With Rosie. Well, it's really an honor to be here, and I am so grateful for the opportunity, and I cannot wait to see what we are going to talk about. That's fantastic. Now, first of all, I just want to say congratulations on your book. I'm very delighted that you're about to talk about your book today, and thank you for sending me a copy. I have actually completed some chapters, and so far, I am loving it. You know, so much great advice and so much great information. And I, I just can't wait to finish reading. Oh, well, thank you so much. I really appreciate the, uh, your feedback on that. And I can't wait to hear what you think about the rest of it. I would definitely be putting a review once I'm done. But so far, I'm loving it. Okay. So, um, so Leslie, can you tell us a bit about yourself before we get into um, talking about your book? Could you share some information about yourself to the listeners? Well, yes, I would love to. Uh, well, first of all, I'm a wife and a mother, and um, I live in Texas. Um, I enjoy traveling, but most of all, what I have discovered that I really like is helping people discover um, how to love themselves. And I've recently written the book, You Can't Eat Love, um, and I just uh, really enjoy helping other people discover the things that I discovered is that we don't need to really look outside of ourselves for something that's already inside of us. And uh, if any of the listeners want to just reach out and have a conversation, I would love to have a chat with them. That's fantastic. Thank you very much for sharing all that great information about yourself. So what was the moment that you understood that you were missing self-love? Well, interestingly enough, it was um, a Mother's Day several years ago, and one of my, well, first of all, our mother died, it's been 37 years ago now, and I struggled with that um, loss because I really didn't know how to grieve, um, and so it was just always kept coming up, 
And one of my sisters mentioned that she always made a pie to honor our mother on Mother's Day. And so I decided, you know, it was time that I figured out how to grieve the loss of my mother. And so I made the pie and I was sitting at the table eating the pie and all these thoughts kept flooding in. And that was when I realized, and it's actually where the title of the book comes from. I sat there realizing that I couldn't eat love, um, that I was trying to eat something that was really a feeling. And I realized that uh, I was trying to fill up a void that was inside of me. And it was just this huge aha moment, kind of like when somebody pulls the curtain back or they clean the windows and you look outside and you're like, oh my goodness, you know, there are all kinds of green trees and beautiful butterflies outside. And it was at that point that I began the journey to rediscover myself and learning to really love myself from the inside instead of trying to find it from the outside. That's inspiring. So how had your life looked before you discovered what you were missing? Well, like so many other people, I was looking to other people to give me um, love. And I was looking for other things um, to fill that ache. Uh, you know, you hear about people who go on these crazy shopping sprees or they um, go on food binges and, and other things. And it's oftentimes to fill up a hole that we have inside of ourselves. Or we go after the wrong people, you know, the people who are un unobtainable or the people who are not kind to us. You know, we're seeking out to fill that that hole that's inside of us and in my life before I discovered what I was missing is I was doing just that. I was a workaholic. I was, uh, you know, whatever a holic you want to put behind it. That was, that was me. Um, because I was trying to numb the pain of not loving myself. And so my life essentially was out of control. My physical, um, health was out of control, my weight was out of control, everything was out of control because I wasn't getting what I thought that I needed. And it wasn't until I discovered that really I had everything that I needed right inside of me. All I had to do was sit down and get acquainted with myself. And how did your self-love journey impact your relationships? Well, once I discovered that I needed to learn to love myself, I began putting myself first. And I did what I call uh, putting on my own oxygen mask. And that actually was a little bit jarring to the relationships around me, specifically my husband, because, you know, when we begin to change the people that are around us, they don't like it because it causes tension. It causes friction. They want us to keep doing what we were doing before because that was how they liked things. So when I began taking care of myself, um, when I began addressing my needs, when I began talking about how I was feeling and what I was feeling and not accepting that I should sweep it under the rug, it disrupted the status quo. And so I would have to keep circling back to taking better care of myself um, and 
remembering why I was on the journey. And the reason that I was on the journey was to become the very best version of myself, to be as healthy as I possibly could be mentally, physically, and emotionally. And as long as I kept remembering that, it didn't really matter about the other person's comfort or discomfort. And the thing that I really came to embrace, and I say this to people over and over, um, and I hope that your listeners hear this, we can only control ourselves. We have zero control over anything that anyone else does, says, or feels. And as long as we remember, we can only do something about us, then it becomes much easier to move through our lives. And especially if we're trying to make changes for the better. That's great. So did your self-love journey affect any of your relationships? Um, I, I did lose some relationships and retrospectively, they were really relationships that were found on, founded on a one-sided uh, relationship where I was the one who was doing all the giving and they were the ones who were doing all the taking. And while it hurt to lose the relationship because it brought up that fear of abandonment, I recognized that it was for the better. And I kept reminding myself, I can only do something about me. I can't do anything about that other person. And being able to look at it um, with, you know, with, with a self-loving eye, I realized that I didn't want to expend the energy in constantly giving. Because as uh, a quote that I recently read, you can't pour from an empty cup. And when we are involved in relationships where all they're doing is taking and we're not getting replenished, those are really one-way relationships and, and we have to decide what level we want to continue that relationship on. So I also discovered how to set boundaries and those people who are only taking from me, I've pushed them back away from me and some of them I don't have relationships with anymore. But in order to take care of myself, I've set stronger boundaries with those people. That's wonderful. So how did self-love impact the way you viewed and spoke to yourself? Well, in general, I'm kinder to myself. Um, when, when before, when I would make mistakes or let's say I would um, eat a whole bag of cookies or, you know, make, not a, make a not so great choice, I would go into those shaming and blaming and, oh my goodness, you know, you're another failure. And I would speak to myself in such an unkind way. I would speak to myself in a way that you would never talk to your best friend. So having discovered the, you know, the journey of self-love and discovering that I do have everything that I need, I started speaking to myself more kindly. But the thing that impacted me the most was realizing I can forgive myself. Just as we forgive another person if they say something hurtful to us or if they do something that's, you know, hurtful or mean, um, we can we forgive them. I can forgive myself for making not so great choices. I can forgive myself for not taking the best care of myself possible. And that's that was incredibly liberating. Because when I started forgiving myself, I dropped all that shaming and all that um, you shouldas, you couldas, you wouldas. 
uh, out of my vocabulary and I started reframing things into a more positive light. And it gave me the opportunity to ask myself, what is really going on here? What are you really thinking about? What are you really feeling? And then I would sit and I do sit and listen to what it is that I'm saying to myself. That's amazing. It would be great for you to share some of the actions or steps you took to learn more about how to love yourself. Um, well, among the things that I did was I started writing. I mean, I, I am one who was so anti-journal. It, it's ridiculous. Uh, I would, you know, make stop and start fits at it. But when I realized that I needed to have a conversation with myself, I discovered the easiest way to have a conversation with myself was to write. And so I got, you know, just small six by nine um, notebooks because, you know, the, the big A11s or the, you know, the, the uh, A4s or eight and a half by 11 pages, that was just too much. And I would, I started just having conversations with myself. And what I discovered is it helped me to get the thoughts out of my head and I could be much more uh, productive and I could solve problems, but also dreams and wishes and desires started coming out. And I would talk to myself about why I had those dreams and desires and wishes, uh, which proved to be very impactful because seeing it in writing could help me make it real. But it also, I was um, reading all kinds of books and things, trying to discover how to do this, how to, how to love myself. And a book that really helped me was um, Self-Compassion by Kristen Neff. And interestingly, it was a book that I had on my shelf for about two or three years. It just kind of sat there for a while. I guess I thought that I would read it by osmosis. Um, but when I cracked it open and actually started reading it, it was kind of one of those, yes, 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 you know, why hadn't I read this before moments? But I say to other people, you know, when it's time, it's time, and it's not time until it's time. So I, again, had to give myself grace and say, you know what, you weren't ready to hear this before. Now you're ready to hear it. Now you're open to what the universe is saying. And so that's why it's time to read this. That's fantastic. So did you find your journey towards self-love to be smooth? Oh, heavens to Betsy, no. Absolutely heavens to Betsy, no. Just as the roads here and the roads over there are, you know, not straight, they're not smooth, um, they're not even without potholes and bumps. Uh, you know, your, your life, my life is not straight, not smooth. It goes up, it goes down, it goes around and around. But the main thing is understanding that that is how life is and losing the expectation that it was going to be smooth and straight and no problems gave me the ability to develop skills to handle those times when you run into what I call traffic jams. Just as you run into a traffic jam uh, on the road, I realized when I'm in a traffic jam on the road, I live just right beside I-10, which is one of the major interstate freeways in the United States. 
and there are traffic jams. Oh my gosh, because I live outside of Houston. When you're in a traffic jam on the freeway, you don't park your car, you don't get out, and you don't walk home. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know, that makes so much sense. So I started looking at the obstacles that I ran into on my journey as traffic jams. And I started thinking, okay, you hit the traffic jam. For example, you're going to a party and you're under high stress. And so you eat way too much uh, food or you're in a situation surrounded by people and they uh, are ignoring your feelings, your needs, your desires, and you're feeling, you know, that level of stress come on. Uh, I realized, you know, okay, this is a traffic jam. What can I do to handle it so that I can stay in my car and keep moving forward, even if it's just inch by inch? And a lot of that comes back around to first taking a breath. Just take a deep breath, breathe in, listen to yourself and say, well, of course you're feeling that way right now. This is what's going on. Acknowledge it. And then if I feel compelled to um, eat something, because oftentimes when we go under stress, we want to eat everything in the pantry, the refrigerator, wherever. I will look at look for something that's high in protein. And I've discovered on the journey through trial and error, if I go for something that's high in protein, it helps calm whatever chemical explosion is happening inside. And then I'm able to continue to take care of myself and able to continue talking to myself in a kind way. In other words, I keep myself in my car. I don't park it and I don't walk home because that's what we do so many times. If we run into an obstacle, it's easier just to say this isn't working. I knew it wouldn't. I'm a failure. And then we give up and we just keep on going on the old path rather than saying you know what this is what's going on right now and it's going to be okay let's just keep moving forward it's going to be all right fantastic so what has been the hardest part about learning to love yourself the hardest part was not giving up on myself when i hit the the hard parts that was absolutely the hardest part because so many times when we are trying to learn something new and we um, are not getting uh, affirmation or encouragement from the people around us, it's easier just to give up on the whole thing than it is to breathe, to say to ourselves, you can do this. Um, and then to keep on moving forward. I learned to celebrate every little small, tiny thing um, because when we celebrate the small, tiny wins, then that encourages us to keep on moving forward. But it's very difficult when you have a, a uh, slight failure to keep on moving forward because when we fail, we think, well, that's it. And so I had to reframe even the word fail. I don't think of failing as not succeeding anymore. What I think of failing as is a first attempt in learning. So just like when you learn how to ride your bike, if you fall off your bike the first time, do you just toss the bike aside and say, I'm never going to do this again? No, you get back up on it and you try again. 
Well, the same thing with learning to love yourself. Just because you fell off your bike once, just because you ran into a, a roadblock once, just because you ran into a situation where you went back into your old habits doesn't mean that you failed. It simply means that you're living life and it's an opportunity to, um, to try again. And as long as we keep trying, we haven't failed at anything. We only fail when we quit. Wonderful. So what has been the biggest benefit of learning to love yourself? Well, the biggest benefit is I'm much happier with my life. But aside from that, I was able to get rid of almost 100 pounds and keep it off because I'm no longer using my drug of choice to fill the pain of not loving myself. Congratulations on your weight loss. So how do you feel now? I feel amazing. I feel powerful. Um, I feel as if, you know, there's not really anything that I cannot do. Uh, I just have to make a decision that I can do it. Uh, in fact, I started uh, working out with weights and decided, you know what, why not try heavy lifting? And, and so I got into lifting heavy weights and now I deadlift. And I'm up to 225 pounds deadlifting and bench pressing 85 pounds. Um, and I'm 64 years old. So uh, learning to love myself, I don't really have to have the, um, I don't have to have anybody else approve of what I'm doing. I simply have to have my own approval of it and whether they think that I'm crazy or can't do it or whatever, it doesn't make any difference. It's only what I believe that I can do and what I believe I want to do that matters. Yep, that's true. That's very powerful. That's a very powerful statement you just made. So if you could send a message back in time to yourself, what age would you be and what would the message be? If I were to go talk to the myself that I used to be, I would be about 15 years old. And I would tell her that it's going to be okay, that everything that you need, you have inside of you, and that now is the time to start really believing in yourself and not looking for the approval of other people, that you are an amazing person, even if you don't hear it from other people. And that you don't need anything outside and to, to Surround yourself with people who give to you and who are not always taking from you. And that you can just keep circling back around yourself and have a conversation with your very best friend in the whole wide world who is always right there, ready to tell you that you are amazing, wonderful, and very lovable. Oh, Leslie, that's beautiful and very touching. So do you have anything else you'd like to share? Well, the, um, the main thing that I have learned is that I am enough, just as I am right here, right now. And I would like to say to the listeners, if they believe that they are, that they are not enough, if they're struggling with feeling as if uh, they're not worth loving, if they're struggling with any part of their life, um, you know, with overeating, with uh, drinking or drugs or anything like that, 
just just to note, they are enough right here, right now, exactly where they are, and to meet you where you are at this exact moment, because tomorrow that's not where you're going to be. And what we can hope to do is to move forward just little by little. We can make progress little by little and celebrate that progress. But first, celebrate that you are enough. That's a beautiful message. So, Leslie, are you able to share where readers can purchase your book, You Can't Eat Love, and what formats it comes in? Um, the book, You Can't Eat Love, is available on Amazon in both paperback and ebook. Um, it's also available through um, Nook and Barnes and Noble. Uh, it's just it's available on almost every platform. You can also easily find it on my website, which gives you access to many of the markets. And the website is youcan'teatlove.com. And there's all kinds of other information on my website. And there's also ways to reach out to me if somebody would just like to, you know, chat and talk about their struggle. Uh, but the book is available on Amazon. It's available on Nook. Um, and as I said, it's available on almost every platform. That's fantastic. So should anyone wish to connect with you, how can they contact you, Leslie? They can contact me on Facebook. I have a Facebook group, You Can't Eat Love. Instagram, You Can't Eat Love with underscores between each word. Or reach out to me on the uh, website, youcan'teatlove.com. Or my email, leslie at youcan'teatlove.com. And I would love to chat. That's fantastic. And I did I did come across a workbook as well. Uh, yes, I have a workbook because I realized as I was writing the book that people would need to do some uh, work. And so I created the workbook to help people do the work. For example, you know, identifying triggers, people in your life that sabotage you, you know, those kind people who push food on you. But also, more importantly, to figure out what your why is, uh, because I realized that if I wasn't clear on why I was going on the journey, that I really wasn't going to be able to keep moving forward when I ran into roadblocks. So that that's why we have the workbook um, to help people work through those different things, because it's, you know, it's one thing to read it, but it's another thing to get it out of your head and be able to actually put it into action. That's amazing. So I would like to thank you once again for being on Grow With Rosie, Leslie. It's been a pleasure having you on. You have been phenomenal. And I'd like to wish you all the best. Well, Rosie, thank you so much for having me. And I really appreciate the opportunity. And I love your message. So uh, like I said, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You are welcome, Leslie. Well, friends. That's it for today. Thank you for listening to this to the end. And I really appreciate Leslie Davis joining me today to share such great information. I am always open to reviews and feedback. Looking forward to next week's episode. And I hope you are too. Until then, have a great week and do take care.